Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website, ftaprotect.com, to learn more about the instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. This episode is also brought to you by Barrel Block. Listen, if you are tuning into this podcast, I assume you've heard of Barrel Block. It's the industry standard for safe, dry fire practice and classroom demos with a real firearm. Barrel Block prevents negligent discharges and eliminates training scars. I love using Barrel Block with students because it's safe and puts everyone at ease. When installed, and remember, no tools or disassembly required to use them, everyone in the room or on the firing line can see that the firearm is safe and inert. Plus, given the price, I can't imagine a firearm instructor who wouldn't have one in their classroom gear and one at home for personal dry fire use. Pick yours up today and enjoy a special offer for listeners of this podcast at blocksafety.com and use code INSTRUCTOR20 for a 20% off discount. That's B-L-O-K safety.com. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about doing things right or somebody's going to get hurt with Annette Evans. Welcome, Annette. How are things going for you today? Well, they're doing great today, Rob. I am really excited to be on this podcast. I have, this has been a, uh, a pet subject for me for a while, so I'm <laughs> talk about it a little more. Well, that's good. Before we dive into all that stuff, because not everybody might be familiar to who Annette Evans is, can you give us a little bit of your uh, background and what you do in the industry? Sure. My name is Annette Evans. I am known as the beauty behind the blast, and I'm just a girl who likes to shoot guns and fight. I got into shooting about ooh, 12 years ago as an adult and kind of went down the rabbit hole of self-defense and the rabbit hole of competition. I've competed for a number of companies in the industry, and I'm currently shooting for a few now. And then I also own my own business called Race Street Range near Philadelphia, where I bring in trainers to do everything from shotguns at the outdoor facility we have a partnership with to um, jujitsu and close quarters fighting. Well, that's good. That gives you probably a pretty good perspective on the tire on the topic that we're going to be talking about today because let's face it firearms are fun we all enjoy them everybody who's listening to this but one of the things is you and me were talking before we started recording we've got to do it right or people get hurt and i'll let you take away with uh, what your what you what your thoughts are on all that annette Sure. So like you're saying, guns are fun. I love shooting. I love doing all of this. But at the end of the day, we need to remember that the rules of firearm safety are there for a reason and we can't shortcut them. Because when we shortcut those rules, whether it's in how we train, in how we practice, in what gear we use, um, and think about everything that we do around guns, it's not just an oops event. It is an event where somebody could get seriously injured or die, whether it's in our classes as instructors or what our students go home and practice what we've taught them, or God forbid that they're in a defensive situation and we haven't taught them right. And they don't end up surviving because we haven't given them the tools that they need. That's the kind of stuff that keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. Well, what kind of, what are some of the things that uh, gets you that you see people either training or, you know, trying to emulate, uh, out there? 
I think one of the most common ones that we see, and we were talking about this before we started recording tonight, are we've all seen these videos where there's an instructor or somebody else wandering around downrange between students and their targets while they're shooting. Uh, it's often presented as some sort of way of you need to be aware of your muzzle, you need to be careful not to, you know, not to muzzle a friendly who might be in the way between you and the bad guy. Whatever it is, there is no reason to be doing that in training with live weapons. Yeah, there's a lot of alter alternatives to it we were talking about. Simunition has been around for the longest, but then you also have UTM that's been around uh, just in the last uh, five years or so that give you an option to be able to go along and do force on force or actually use your firearms without the risk with very low reward because some people might go along and say that's a, like you were saying, instructor walking around in front of his students. He's got all the confidence in the world of his students. But what happens at one time when somebody pulls around or something else like that, there, the risk there to personal injury, uh, serious damage to the person, whoever's out there is extremely high. And what's the reward they get for it? That's, it's very low. They could get the exact same thing by walking in front of them with UTM rounds and realizing when they hit or don't hit the person, uh, you know, with that. And that's one of those to where, yeah, I've got a little pet peeve when I see that because, People emulate what they see on YouTube, Facebook, those types of things. And as instructors, we need to go along, set up our students, not just to be proficient during the class, during the training session, but also in going along and being proficient and knowing how to execute the drills safely and proficiently when they're out, out of our sight. If we don't do that, then we're shortchanging our students. Now, for that matter, you know, we don't even need to use UTM or simunitions for that. We can get the point across with blue guns, with, mm -hmm. finger, with a laser pointer, with a cert pistol. There's so many other ways to do this and to be very clear about what we're doing so that somebody just watching that video without sound realizes, well, we're not shooting real guns past real people. There's mm -hmm. no. Yep. And that's where we've got, we've got to keep in mind of who's looking at it. Where, where it's going to be replayed at all those different things, because, okay, maybe we've got, you know, 10 year veteran SWAT officers that are doing the shooting that we're videotaping, but how many people are going to think there's going to be somebody who just picked up a pistol, you know, a day or two ago that says, Oh, I want to be just as cool as that person is. Mm -hmm. That's where the internet, the information highway is great. At the same time, there's quite a bit of responsibility in what you put out there to make sure you're not uh, providing people with inaccurate information, just at least. You know, and the options are, you know, endless that are a lot safer that give you the rewards of what you're trying trying to achieve. Yeah. yeah, I think there's just better ways to train that sort of action that just don't require us to put people at risk. And it's not just you, the instructor standing around downrange who's at risk. Do you want to do that to a student? You know, what mm -hmm. happens to the student who screws up and shoots you? What have you just done to him or her? It's just, a, it's a bad situation all around. It, it sets people up for failure. I don't, as instructors, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to train people in positive ways to set them up for success. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's not how we do it. Yeah, in all my instructor training, we talk about that negative instruction does not help the students. The students learn, but with positive instruction and telling people what to do, not telling what not to, not to do. 
And if we go along and are telling people that they've got to follow the NRA's three safe gun handling rules, and then we go along and exempt ourselves from having to follow the same rules, uh, we go along and create a, a conflict in that person's mind. And a lot of times they might go along and say, well, you know, I'm as good as an instructor, so I'm going to go along and do that. Well, we should be emulating the proper behavior that we expect our students to do because we're talking about the range, but you touched on it before. If we teach them something wrong, how to draw or when to shoot during our classes and they're in a public situation, they could end up getting hurt or they could end up hurting somebody else. And that's one of those situations where we've done a disservice to our students, to say the least, by sending them out without the proper knowledge. Sure. One of the things, you know, any one of us who teaches concealed carry or even most competition classes, we teach people how to draw a gun and how to reholster a gun, how to draw a pistol, reholster a pistol. And if we aren't tough on our students and teaching them the right way, make sure that finger doesn't enter the trigger until the muzzle is pointed at the target. Make sure your finger is off the trigger and the muzzle is oriented as far away from your body as possible when you're reholstering. What happens when they're under stress? What happens when they're practicing on their own? Maybe it's not a stressful situation. They just went to the range by themselves. But if we weren't tough on them and we weren't clear on them in class, what happens? And then add the stress of doing something in a defensive situation. What happens? What, what, are, what are the two most likely times to have a negligent discharge of a firearm? It really, all of them come down to administrative gun handling, right? Well, Ready? it's it's holstering and unholstering. Because somebody's finger slips in there when they're pulling it up and all of a sudden they accidentally uh, yep. hit the trigger for whatever reason, or they're putting it in the holster and they leave it, leave it on the trigger. And what happens? They push down the holster, forces their finger back. Now you yep. can go along and have safeties on the gun, grip safeties and different things like that. But if your finger's on that trigger when it shouldn't be, you have a, a real potential problem. And you were saying in competition and in training, that's really important because what happens if they're out on the street and they end up drawing their, their firearm for a legitimate situation, but they've got their finger on the trigger and it actually goes bang and either hits the person who's now complying with them and they're no longer a threat or, or it hits an innocent person because it ricochets off the blacktop in front of them or something like that. That's a bad situation for them. Yeah, you know, what happens when they manage to shoot themselves doing that? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of takes them out of the fight at that point. <laughs> so all the training they've taken is uh, for not because now they're worrying about, you know, they've shot themselves and they got to control the bleeding. Well, that yeah. makes it for a really, really bad day for anybody. I, I don't know a single person that's gotten shot that said that was the best day of their life. <laughs> well, I will, uh, you know, take that, having not been shot myself, uh, of going along and saying that I'm going to, try to avoid doing that and uh, suggest other people avoid it also by going along and in really grading the three safe gun handling rules from the NRA uh, in everything they do. I mean, even, even when you go along and do something as simple as cleaning, yep. think about that muzzle. Um, mm -hmm. I never looked down the muzzle of a firearm until it's completely taken apart. And all that I'm looking at is a tube. You know, that's, that's all the, that's all the barrel is at that point. There's no, no way anything's going to get stuck in it. And I want to make sure everything's cleaned out of it before I assemble it again. But once I assemble it, I don't look down the barrel, uh, plain and simple. And those are very simple points. But at the same time, we probably all know somebody that went along at some point, looked down the barrel and it's like, I, I can't say anything down there. You know, I don't think it's loaded. And it's yeah. like, that's not what we do. 
And it's so tempting sometimes to either be nice in a class or in a competition and not call somebody on, you know, having their finger in the sugar when they shouldn't or not paying attention to their muzzle direction. And it's easy sometimes to get complacent. A lot of us who are instructors, especially who are trained a lot, we spend a lot of time around guns. It's easy to get comfortable and forget that. Um, and, or we're just having fun. You know, we're out planking at the range. We're out competing. You know, we're, we're trophy hunting. Um, you know, trying to win a match. But at the end of the day, we have to remember if we screw these things up, somebody's probably going to get hurt or we're mm-hmm. going to get a close call to somebody getting hurt. And that doesn't make it any less fun. It just means that there's a little something else to pay attention to. Well, I just completed teaching a rain safety officer course the other day. And one of the things I've impressed upon it, safety is everybody's job. Even though somebody might say, okay, it's a rain safety officer job or duty to go along keep everybody safe within their ability that that's correct but it's everybody who's handling a firearm to know the basic uh the the basic safety rules when it comes to handling a firearm because there's no way a rain safety officer can be looking over your back every single moment and you enjoy shooting so we've they've got to stand back a little bit and when they see you do a gross error they'll correct you or take whatever appropriate actions there are. But at the end of the day, if, if we don't understand keeping the muzzle pointed in the safe direction, keep our finger off the, the trigger until you're ready to, to, to fire and keeping the gun loaded until you're ready to use it, then we're creating a bad situation for ourselves as well as everybody else around us, even if the RSO doesn't catch us because the RSO is going to catch you when? When you've shot, when you've gone along and done something that's caught their attention. If you don't catch it before you go along an accident and you, you know, shoot the ground in front of you, guess what? Somebody could get hurt. And that's where your topic, when you talk about it, is trainers have got to take it very seriously that they do right. They do things properly. And also I think a point to people to, that they need to embody is staying in your lane. When, when it goes along, comes to training. If you don't have a whole lot of experience shooting high powered rifles, or shotguns, or even pistols. Get the training you need so you know how to properly run that kind of training. Because is a shotgun different from a rifle, different from a pistol? Basically, no. But their operations and how you load them, how, what you've got to do, yes, they're, they're completely different. Are competition pistols different than bullseye shooting? Yes. There are the basic operations are there, but when you get into how they operate and what you need to know specifically, they're going to be different. And I would never step out of my lane to try to tell somebody how to be a competition shooter because I just don't get into that level. I'm more training people how to do in self-defense. And that's one of the things where you really have got to know what you're trained up in and what you can competently instruct your students on. Oh, this is a huge, huge one for me. Um, We see a lot of people trying to teach kind of that concealed carry 101 defensive pistol one class right now. Mm -hmm. You can't do that on a basic pistol instructor cert. You really, really need to learn about self-defense shooting, about concealed carry. Preferably, you need to do more than take just the class that you're going to teach. You need to have knowledge beyond that because it's not just a matter of what that what you've learned in a specific class to your students you have to know where all that knowledge fits in you need to know the context of what you're teaching you need to know how to answer all the questions your students are going to come up with 
So it's not just a matter of I've learned how to shoot a pistol, I can teach concealed carry, or even I've taken defensive pistol one, now I can teach it. You got to go further than that. Mm. A good instructor should be going along and taking classes so they understand whatever they're teaching a couple levels above them. But yeah. also, you know, if you're going to teach concealed carry, know some parts about the law, know some parts about first aid, know, know what you need to do to keep and run a safe range, because yeah. it might seem, you know, unnecessary to teach or talk to your students in a basic concealed carry class about first aid. But let's put it this way. If, you, if a student has a problem and doesn't understand basic first aid or the need to go get trained in first aid, they might uh, completely overlook that. And we all know that if we're going to play around with dangerous uh, firearms, uh, knives, anything what we're training with, there's a likelihood somebody could get hurt. If we use it in self-defense, there's even a higher likelihood that somebody's going to get hurt. And if that's us or our family, we're going to want to know some way of uh, you know helping them out. And that's where I, I encourage people to go get, you know, listen, listen to Andrew Bronca and his uh, uh, podcast, go along and take first aid courses, uh, you know, basic first aid, the stop the bleed program, those, as well as going along and get those advanced defensive courses underneath their belt. So they understand drawing, concealment, shooting on the move. All these are specific skills that if you don't have a good basis, uh, understanding, you can create some extremely dangerous situation as people are running with their finger on the trigger, with their uh, muzzle pointed down at their feet, all those types of things. And who's going to end up paying the price for that? Ultimately, our students. But at the same time, if it happens in our class, if it happens to our students, it's going gonna, it's gonna to reflect badly on us. Yeah. It's just a bad situation all around when we don't pay attention to the the very grave consequences of what we do, you know, mm -hmm. not, it, I understand that the odds are low, right. That we're going to be in a defensive gun use, but the stakes are so, so high. We are talking about life and death. We're talking about people ending up in jail. We're talking about people walking free. It's, it's up to us to take that seriously. And it's not just a defensive gun world. Even if all we're doing this is for fun, you know, for competition, because we like going to the range I think it's even more important then because who wants to go for a nice fun day at the range and end up in a horror story of a hospital visit? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And everybody I know has gotten shot. There is some disfigurement with it. I mean, <laughs> you know, I know somebody who's shot in their hand. Well, guess what? Their hand now has a nice, a good size scar on it. Those types of things uh, happen. And we've, we don't want to shy away from teaching people, but we want to make sure we're teaching the, the proper way. Uh, another another uh, point that I'll bring up uh, that people may over overlook as uh, trainers and watching out for our student safety, uh, and this came from the range officer class again that I taught this week, was when you have pregnant students. You know, mm -hmm. it was a large discussion in the class about how do you know who is and who isn't. Well. Maybe you need to make the announcement to make sure people realize that if you are pregnant or trying to get pregnant and you're around firearms, that there's lead and there's other heavy metals that aren't really necessarily good and aren't going to help. And the point there is not necessarily go along and scare somebody, but make sure they understand that before you come to a firearm class, maybe you should have that conversation with your, your doctor and see what they say and explain the risk to you. 
Yeah, because maybe you're okay with that risk. I certainly know women who have shot all the way up into the third trimester, occasionally and safely taking a lot of precautions. And I know women who said, you know, as soon as they started trying to become pregnant, they stayed away from all firearms. Mm -hmm. But that's something you have to make an informed choice about. And again, life or death, right? You know, the, the, the women I know who shot through their pregnancies, their babies are beautiful and wonderful, very happy, healthy children. But there's a risk and we should all be taking those risks in an informed manner. Right. It's yeah. just like teaching how dangerous. We just have to let people know, Hey, this could happen. This is what we could do to minimize that risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, when you think about it, when you really look at the training and if you were if we weren't gun people and we saw the shooting, the moving, the drawing, everything that we do as you get more advanced, You'd go along and say, oh my gosh, you know, think about how they could fall and where would that gun be and and what's on the other side of that dirt mound that we're shooting into and blah, 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 all these different concerns. But you also realize when you get into the sport that you realize that you take a lot of safety precautions to make sure that you don't have problems. And that's the difference between somebody who doesn't understand, who's worried about all the different aspects that are controlled versus somebody who is, uh, very much educated about it that does things repetitively and sometimes monotonously to make sure that they do not have an accident at any time. Sure. It's just like any other high risk activity, any other high risk sport, right? People skydive, people rock climb, people race cars, we race motorcycles, but they don't just run up there and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you skydiver, ask them what goes into packing a parachute and a reserve chute. If you talk to a rock you know, even one who does, you know, who does uh, free soloing without any safety equipment at all, what they do to prepare for that climb to stay safe and how many risks they're really taking by the time they've done all the preparations. Mm-hmm. Look at the safety care that uh, people who race cars and race motorcycles have and the settings that they do it in. We can do dangerous things, but we can minimize our risk. And it's really our responsibility as instructors to do our best to minimize that risk, not just on our own ranges, but for what our students take home with them, whether they're students in our physical classes or, you know, we're providing content over the internet to them. Exactly. And those are real important points to make sure that people realize it when they're training. Um, Are there motorcycle accidents? Are there rock climbing accidents? Are there race car uh, accidents? Yes. But they've taken all the precautions they could and and shrunk the, the risk of an accident down as close as I can to zero. And that's the same type of attitude that we as instructors should take. It's not that, oh, you know, nothing will happen this time. It's, no, I'm going to make sure that it's as low and absolutely uh, covered as possible. Um, we talk about the uh, Farm Trainers Association and their insurance. Um, that's for those unexpected accidents when somebody walks under your range and you know, trips over something and breaks a leg or, or something that's unseen behind the berm causes a ricochet and, and they, and they get hit by it. If you have accidents because you're not catching people with their finger on the trigger, or if you have accidents because you're doing risky training, um, that's, that's on you. That's not an accident. That's, that's on the trainer and the trainer should really, really, really examine. Uh, I'll give you one example, uh, here in Ohio. We had a concealed carry instructor who went along, and this was just a couple of years ago, was doing was doing a uh, 
demonstration of a takeaway uh, with a student. Had the student uh, come and try to take the pistol out of his hand. Well, when the student came and started grabbing it, the instructor pulled the trigger, and guess what? The unloaded gun was uh, ended up shooting him in the arm. But that's not the worst part of it. Guess what? That was the second time he had shot a student in, in eight years. Yeah, you know, we have blue guns for a reason. There's absolutely no there's no justification for using a functional firearm in any sort of exercise like that. There's mm-hmm. You know, certainly having a sterile classroom or what's supposed to be sterile classroom is a good start, but why is it functional at all? Blue guns aren't expensive. If you absolutely can't use a blue gun for whatever reason, and I would argue you shouldn't be teaching any of this if you can't, then you could still disable the gun entirely. You could take the slide off. You could put a barrel blocker in. You could do something else to make it absolutely incapable of firing a live round. Mm -hmm. But really, blue guns, this is exactly what blue guns are for. Right. And, And the final end of that story was, after shooting two students in eight years, the court actually told this guy he could no longer teach. So that was good that the court took took the second time to tell him that you know his sentence was you can never teach again, period, no questions about it, because I think two negligent discharges in eight years, he's not having a sterile environment. He's using a functioning firearm to do something that could be done very low risk with blue gun, cert gun, any number of things like that without using a functioning firearm is, you know, unforgivable as a trainer. There's absolutely no reason to be doing that. It is absolutely not the standard that we're seeing in in force-on-force training. And there's a reason for that is because that is an absolutely unnecessary risk. Um, You know, at, at best, you're scaring somebody. Well, and, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I said this before, but this was in a basic concealed carry class that he was doing takeaways. If that doesn't belong, <laughs> you, you know, we talked earlier about staying in your lane and mm-hmm. sometimes that's staying in the classes lane too. You know, if right. I'm teaching basic pistol, how to shoot, which end goes down range, then I don't need to be talking about concealed carry concepts. When I'm talking about defensive pistol one concealed carry one one that is really not the time to be introducing in a heavy way, any sort of force on force, things like that, without making Mm -hmm. that a significant portion of the class. And if you're making a significant portion of the class, then you should have the background to understand that that's not how you do it. Right. Yeah. You can go out there and look at all, you can find a lot of trainers that do force on force, uh, you know, takeaways, close quarter drills, different things like that. And they use, completely different equipment. They use blue guns. They do things like that that will minimize any risk to the student or anybody else around them. Uh, you think about that gun had a live round in it. It shot the most recent student in the arm. Think of what would have happened if that was pointed to the rest of the class, how many other people could potentially have gotten hurt. He got away very lucky and only have shot two students in the eight years that he was uh, training and doing that. So I bring that story up to go along and reinforce the points that Annette and I have been uh, talking about today because bad things happen if we don't do things properly. And that's the whole point behind this episode of the podcast to make sure the trainers out there realize that, that we can do a lot of stuff and help people in a good way. We can also go along and 
help them in the wrong way, which sets them up and potentially us for a lot of problems. And that's, that's hopefully where everybody will take this to heart and uh, implement it in their training practices or stay in their lane and get in the proper training to be able to do things. Yeah. I mean, I, I've done quite a bit of force on force training myself. And one of the biggest rules that we've got is all live weapons, anything that shoots, stabs, pokes, sprays, goes away, it's locked away somewhere. And we pat each other down. And that's mm-hmm. entirely because safety is such a big deal. You know, this trainer got lucky. He shot a student in the arm. Um, not all that long ago near me here in the Philadelphia area at um, one of our state police trainers managed to kill a student because they didn't realize that a gun was loaded and they decided to press that trigger while the gun was pointed at that student's chest. Mm-hmm. People get hurt if the trainers, instructors do not follow and really in, embody the safety that we need as a community overall. Yeah. And it's not just the safety rules at the razor, razor thin margins of it. It's making sure that we allow for people to make mistakes because that happens right. too. Well, and that's where setting up a safe environment that if somebody, if we're on a range or the at beginning uh, class and the student ends up putting their finger on the trigger when they shouldn't be, well, we should be running the class in such a way that the muzzle's pouring down a range and it's a simple reminder for that student to take the finger off the trigger and put it on the, on the, on the frame of the gun. If we've got people down range and we have students picking up guns, that's on us for not going along and making sure those students are safe, not only ones down range, but the ones that are sitting there wait, waiting to shoot. And those are all mistakes that can have some deadly or uh, very unpleasant consequences to it. Yep. You know, I, I love doing this. I think it's a lot of fun. I think we bring a lot of great things to people's lives. We just have to remember that just like other sports, like rock climbing, like skydiving, that there's things that we have to pay attention to. Exactly. Well, I think it brings us to the end of this episode. And do you want to go along and tell people where they can find more information about you? Sure. I'm easiest found on Facebook at facebook.com slash blasting beauty. You can also find me on Instagram as blasting beauty. And that's where I post all sorts of things about what I'm writing, what I'm training, what I'm uh, teaching and what I'm thinking about. Mm hmm. And glad that you were available today to talk about this because with what we talked about, the examples where people can go along and find other ways of practicing uh, some the deadly skills and the skills that we're talking about are deadly um, and also how to go along and keep everybody safe. Um, nobody complains about coming home in the same shape they go to the range with. When you're going to the hospital, people complain about things and wonder if it's really worth it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on the show, Rob. I really enjoyed this, even if we had to talk about some serious topics. Mm-hmm. Well, it's unpleasant, but at the same time, our podcast is here to make instructors better, make this, give the instructors the information so they can go along and make the students the best they can. And we don't make the students better by giving them bad information. Absolutely. Well, that wraps things up today, everybody, on this episode. If you have suggestions for topics for people to bring on, we now have a survey on our website where you can fill it out and suggest your ideas to us so we can have uh, them on future uh, podcasts. Just go to firearmtrainerpodcast.com and look at the menu, and you can fill out the survey form and suggest either for yourself to come on the podcast 
or if you suggest somebody else in the industry who has an expertise uh, that we would be good for other instructors to know about. We also want to ask people to go out and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all out all over uh, the social media universe, and we want to hear from people. If you're not on some of those social media, email us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Also, go along and remember, subscribe to our podcast. Go along and invite your friends to do the same. Your friends, the other people you train with, are not going to know about us unless somebody talks about it. Uh, they won't get the same great information we just got from Annette today unless they're listening to the podcast. And that's where we want to get people out there to be loyal listeners and giving us information back and forth and making our training community better. And remember, go out and check out F the FTA at FTA Protect. Uh, their policy is economical and will help cover both you and your students in case something accidental happens. And remember, use discount code FTP10 for 10% off your policy. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Remember, the most unsafe people are the untrained ones. So go out and train your students to be the best they can be. Thank you. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.